rolling. <clears throat> Hello. Did you have a good poop? I did have a good poop. I'm glad you had a good poop, buddy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Garbage Game Club. I'm Nick Limone, and joining me today... I'm Joey! Uh, yeah! <laughs> and the last time you joined us for Garbage Game Club, we set two goals. We had a long-term assignment and a short-term assignment, and we still got a couple of weeks before like the... a midterm project be and a... Yeah, before the midterms do. Uh, we, our, our big lofty goal is to do the Outer Worlds, but until then, because that's a little bit of a meatier game, we decided to do a shorter game. A shorter game. A game that you know the name of because you clicked on the episode, but let me explain it to you if some, for some reason you uh, clicked on the episode blind. It's, uh, it's Bad North, a game that was recommended to me as someone who likes RTS, real-time strategy games. And I don't really play RTS games, so that's why you recommended it for this show. Exactly, because I feel like part of our thing here is to try and expand our horizons a little bit. And I know that Nick, like, while you've while you've dabbled, you've touched, you have like an understanding of how RTS games work. You probably played like Halo Wars or something. Yeah. Um, you... I played Dawn of War. Wow. Um, Starcraft Brood War or get the fuck out, okay? Uh, I really cut my teeth on RTS games. I really like them. So this is an RTS game for the Switch. And it definitely feels like... I guess we're going right into it. it what does it feel like? As soon as I booted it up, I immediately knew what kind of experience I was going to get. And what kind of experience was, slash was that? It felt like Baby's First RTS. Baby's First RTS. That's interesting because while Bad North does market itself as an RTS that isn't extreme, this game is not, by any stretch of the imagination, uh, StarCraft, a civilization, a command and conquer, a company of heroes. It's not those games. Mm. It's not those games. But it is a real-time strategy game nonetheless, and it is something that feels more welcoming and cut down for the genre. Because you might even be saying, hey, why are you playing an RTS game on not a PC? That's a bad idea. And the answer is, you'd be right. But this has been so, uh, not neutered, and not diluted, but just designed for what I would think of as like a touch interface. Yeah. And that's actually my entire sentiment playing through the game from beginning to end. As soon as the game showed me how it works, I was like, oh, I mean, it works on a controller just fine, but I'd rather just use it on my phone. And after I beat the game, I was just like, I wonder if it's available for phones. And it totally is. Yep. So I was like, man, I should have just played it on that. And PC. So, and I PC. Mean, it's available on a lot of different platforms. But see, honestly, I feel like... If it were on PC, it'd probably be too easy. If you're playing this on PC, Bad North, if you're like an RTS junkie, Bad North would be like a fun game so that you can pick up and put down like on your commute because you can play it in short bursts. So the way the game works is um, it's, it's almost, it is, roguelike in a sense where you can, the, the game has an infinite replayability because you're playing the same game multiple times. You start out on a first island and you're trying to progress the last island. Now the path to get there is procedurally generated and 
it's not linear. You can diverge and go from like, uh, go up or go down or go left or go back to an island you might have missed as you progress towards the right side of the screen, towards that final island. But behind you, because you're, you're like Vikings on a ship trying to conquer and save different homelands, the, the, the water, the, the tidal wave is catching up from behind you. So eventually, um, you can't go to every island. You have, to, you have to pick and choose. You have to pick and choose. And certain islands have certain rewards, be them like more units or, or different upgrades or, you know, RTS y stuff. But you, so you're kind of racing the clock behind you. There's only so many turns you can have in a total playthrough because of the aforementioned, you know, water that's creeping up on you to get to the end. So it's roguelike also in the sense that your units aren't built from a barracks. Um, you don't start the game harvesting resources and then building an army. You have like a set group of soldiers that you start the game with and then you can well, you liberate. Pick two leaders. You pick two leaders. At the start of every game, you pick two like um, tribe leaders. I, w I guess not maybe tribe, but like squadron leaders. And these squadron leaders are a little bit meatier than everyone else that's in the squadron. But for the most part, they're your commanders for that particular squad. And from there, the game kind of diverges after you get coins that you get from saving various buildings on each map, usually about three, you can then save those coins to either upgrade your um, soldiers or upgrade items that you find along the way. The three different classes are soldier, like foot soldier with swords. And um, shields. And they eventually develop shields. And then uh, spearmen, who are good at like holding back uh, people with shields. And then you have your archers, which are the most broken unit in the entire game. This is what Nick wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> it was so satisfying. And once I realized, I was like, why wouldn't I just upgrade my archers as quickly as humanly possible? Archers are very good in this game. They're very good. Archers are very good. I'd be curious to play through this game again and just build a squadron of only archers and just try and upgrade them with Ooh, deadly it precision. Work. It doesn't work as well as you think it would. Really? Yeah, but you do have to kind of balance your units. So there's... You know, you can have up to four units on a battlefield mm -hmm. that you choose before it goes, but you can get more than four uh, units, squads. You can have more than four in your party. So say, like, during one turn, if you have more than four people, you can actually invade multiple islands. Oh, really? Yeah, so if you have seven people, you can send three people to one island, play that island, send four people to the other island, and play that island, too, before the turn mm. ends and the water creeps back up. The downside to that is that if you're not using your full strength units, the game gets progressively harder, like you'd expect it would towards the end, and you just can't survive without everything being, you know, close to maxed out. And another way that it's like roguelike is that your um, units have permadeath. So if one of your squads dies in battle... They're gone. They're gone. You can get the uh, a chalice, a holy grail, which does give you the opportunity to resurrect a fallen uh, captain and the squadron that, that they command. But that's just a one-off item that you might not even run into during a, a run in the game. But see, the thing that you described is sending multiple units out to different islands. That's something I didn't know that you could do in the game. And, and that's actually, I think, one of the game's biggest problems is that like, I'm not off, I'm, I'm fine with a game that doesn't want to tutorialize everything, but I didn't even know that was an option that you was available. You missed the mechanic, yeah. You can go to multiple islands before you go to the next turn. Yeah, I had no idea that that was the case. And, like, 
again, the game doesn't do a particularly good job of communicating anything that's happening in that I don't really understand what I'm doing going from island to island. Like, I don't understand the context Liberating. Well, you're, you're not, actually. I had to look this up, but apparently you are defending the kingdom from attacking Viking invaders who killed the king, and you are guiding the island's people to evacuate. You're evacuating. I had no idea. And that wave that's happening, I was like, what's going on there? Is this like a, a mythical force? Is it? I just assume that the, the evil invaders that you fight are like monsters to some extent because over like some of the basic units, sure, they're like normal. But once you get to the later units, I'm like, oh, this is like a zombie or something because they're taking so many hits. Like, I just felt like I was wanting information. And I know, I, I feel like that's what separates you and I in this instance because. I was still able to finish the game without having the context that I wanted, not answering the questions for what's the motivation for what I'm doing. I want to know why. And that's not necessary. But I would have enjoyed the game more if I had known why. So I enjoy Bad North. I would give this game a recommendation because... I don't need that stuff. And also, the uh, I don't think it's a great game if you want to sit down and play it for four hours straight. Like I think Nick ended up doing because he got really upset with like getting a W. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a really good on again, off again, pick up for a little bit, light engagement RTS. Because you do have a lot of strategic decisions to make with your units between turns and strategic movements of your units on the board as because babe we haven't even talked about this you're on your units spawn on an island your four squads spawn on an island and then oh, surrounding that island you're getting invaded by these vikings coming from boats mm -hmm. so they that you sealed you see them sail in you see them coming they dock on the shore and they're coming to destroy your units and and the houses that are there but their priority is the houses yes you're trying to save the houses mm -hmm. um you can use their boats they bring to retreat if you're overwhelmed, but mostly you're just killing their units um, as, as they come in wave after wave. So it's kind of like a, it's a wave defense where you're doing RTS positioning of your units to say like, okay, like my swordman would be better over here. My shield would have to be over here because they have archers coming in boats and my archer should be on the high ground to attack their other stuff. And you're constantly moving your units because you're being attacked from all sides of the island. So you can't just... Get a position, hold it, and then watch watch you know time fast forward, which you actually can't do. You can't fast forward time, which is a little bit annoying. Yeah, that's um, the, the big frustration. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, when is this boat getting to shore? I'm gonna kill it already. I just have to wait for it. Um, but but that being said, this game did teach me a little bit about RTSs in a way that I wasn't expecting because uh, one thing that I think that the game does very well is its map design is that uh, it, when you enter a new island, you get like a basic 2D view on you when you're in the overworld. But once you actually join the map, you get presented with like an isometric perspective. Then you can decide what squads you want to send in. And that's it. Once you choose those squads, you are committed to using those squads. You can't build more. You can replenish your squads if like you only have one soldier left. You can have them kind of rest at one of the functioning houses to heal and get the units back, but you can't build more in that respect. You can't get 
multiple squadrons of archers. You only have whatever you bring with you. Mm -hmm. But what I really enjoyed about the game is the map design. I thought that the art style is very cool. The music. And the music's great. The music's great. And I know that I feel like you said this for a lot of things that we, that we say, like, oh, the music's good. But the music of Bad North sticks with you. Like, I haven't played it in a couple weeks, and I can still think of... Like, it's, it's, it's those songs that are a little bit earwormy. The sound design is great. Yeah, I still get, like, triggered when I hear, like, the... And I'm like, oh, shoot. Or the unit walking noises. Like, all yeah. of the sound design in this game is really good. No, but what the game showed me, though, is the importance of uh, strategic positioning. Whereas, like, in previous RTSs, when I briefly dabbled, it was always just build up an army and then smash this squadron of units into the other opposing squadron of units and hope that mine is better. And what I realized playing in this game is that's how I started. And I was having a hard time because, you know, I was putting my elite soldiers right at the front lines, waiting for the boat to come in. I'm like, I'm putting them right where the boat's going to land. My dudes are going to kill them. Great. It's all going to work out. But then what I saw happen, and the game does a good job of choreographing, is the boat knocks into your soldiers, pushing them down on their butts, and then the invading army gets out of the boat and just starts killing fools. I'm like, oh, my positioning in relation to the enemy actually matters in this game. If there is an object that's moving, it's not like another older RTS game I might have played where units would have passed through each other. They actually occupy space in this world. And once I realized that, then I could start thinking about all the, the famous historical strategies that have been used in different wars throughout the era. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I should do a pincer attack on this because that makes so much more sense. I'm going to position my archers up on the cliffs while I have my soldiers with spears stand at the top of the stairs poking people down. And then I'll have my two squadrons of regular uh, sword and shield folks come in from the side. So I'm basically creating this bottleneck for them. Or, oh man, my, I only have one set of spear soldiers left. How am I going to survive this? Well, the way this island's positioning and where this last squadron of enemy invaders is going, they're going to be funneled through a small little tunnel. So if I position my spears at the end of this tunnel, they're going to have to go through here. So I'm just going to be able to poke at them one at a time as they go through the little tunnel. And those strategies worked, which I really liked. So that's a positive and a negative for me is like the micromanagement of your units. Mm -hmm. Because it's, if you are someone like me who put a fuck ton of StarCraft, really likes RTSs. Those APMs. Your APM doesn't matter. This is, this is like a touchscreen experience, yeah. truly. Like, um, and it excels at doing that. But if you want a little bit more, you might be left hungry for, I want to be able to have a little bit more control over my units. That being said, the minimal control you do have is very elegant of just moving them from tile to tile. When you do move them, time doesn't stop. It does slow down a lot, so you have time to think. So the game's really forgiving like that. I wouldn't want to call it like baby's first RTS because I don't think that this is like a, like a gateway drug per se. But I think it's good for people who might not be big fans of the genre to kind of dabble in and see like how this, this type of game could be cool. And I also think it's good for people who like this genre who would want something really light that they could play on their phone or when they don't want to go through the mental anguish of a StarCraft game. So I'm, I'm, actually, I'm pretty stoked about Bad North. There is, um, I, I feel like we're saying a lot of nice things. There are some 
problems with it, like even aside from balance. Um, my biggest concern, or uh, concern, bleh, complaint, is that it feels like there was times where my units weren't doing what I wanted them to do. Yeah. Where I'm just like, why are you standing there instead of attacking the guy next to you? Or like, how come you're letting someone run through the lines and just kind of like be an ickier? Why are you choosing to not target what is clearly the biggest threat? So while the enemy AI felt fine. Yeah, I feel like they're always just trying to mess stuff up. Yeah, the, sometimes it felt like my own AI and the stuff that I didn't have control over felt like there was only 90% there. And while that 90% is perfectly fine, the other 10% is just frustrating because you're used to when you're playing these games just having a, a more granular level of control. No, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I also think that, like, I understand that what I'm, the complaint I'm about to lobby against this game isn't necessarily fair to the game because the game is very clear about what it is. It is just a, a tactics game first and foremost. And light resource management, I guess, in that you have to decide if you're going to send soldiers to this island or this island based on how many houses are there. But what I wish the game added in the overworld, because I have been playing a lot of Slay the Spire, is these overworld events. I wish we'd have something, a little bit of text on the, in the overworld where it's like, oh shoot, your units are starving and you found a, a boat with a, a treasure on it. Are you going to open the treasure chest or not? And I'd, I'd like some like degree of choice on the overworld where I can choose to like uh, risk reward it in that, oh, I, I could use some like new troops or new supplies or a new item. I could hit yes to try and accept the award, but I might get screwed over because it might lead to a fight I wasn't uh, counting on, or like I might get crippled to some extent. Like maybe my bowmen lose all their bows, so for one island they're without bows or something. Like something to add a little zag into the game that I think would add to the longevity in the game. And I understand I'm not meant to play this game the way I did, just from beginning to end in one seating. Like, you are supposed to kind of just forget about it, come back to it when you realize you have it on your phone and play a little more. Like, I just wish there was something more. Like, it didn't commit completely to that roguelike uh, setting that, or that tone it's, it's going for. I want, I want something. I just want flavoring, damn it. I feel like uh, maybe in defense of the game, the stuff you're asking for, I don't know what like their development team or their budget looked like. Oh, yeah. But it seems like they made the game and we're asking for extras. No, absolutely. And that's why I see that it's unfamiliar. But I felt like myself wanting, which is good, because that means that they made something that feels good to play. I just wish that I had a more... Not memorable experience, but I wish I had something that kept me thinking about the game after I put it down. Like I, that's that's part of like one of my favorite things about something like Slay the Spire, where I'm just thinking about all the possible permutations of like these random encounters in between battles. Like I love stuff like that, and I, I like that the game adds character through these very very like simple cutscenes. I, I think you're right. I still feel like Bad North is an example of a good game for a garbage game club. Maybe not for like our SEO or people discovering the show, but for the mission of like 
trying to playing, try new things. Playing something new. And also taking something that wasn't a thing that everyone was talking about, but still garnered some good attention or like a very small amount of people had a lot of really nice things to say. Yeah. And then more often than not, when even if, if there's a game that only has 100 reviews and those 100 reviews are all pretty good, just because it's not popular doesn't mean that it's like a bad game. No, and, so, and I don't think Bad North is a bad game at all. I, I don't think so. I would, I would argue Bad North is a worthwhile game to try. Um, uh, and once I discovered it uh, that they had it for mobile, I was like, shoot, I should have just done that. Then I, that's definitely a game I would just like if I'm bored at work or whatever, just waiting for something, waiting for a video to render. I would gladly open that up and just like play, play an a island or two. Or two yeah, because yeah. that's, that's all you need. It functions really well as a mobile game. And I have tried like mobile RTS stuff like this before. I think I'm trying to do something similar. And the reason why I like this so much, I think it's the best implementation of a light. RTS. Yeah, I just wish put, put, they they updated the game recently. Put a fast forward button in there. Yeah, or just like a, a time speed up when I hold the button. There's so many buttons that don't get used on a controller when you're playing this game. Just make one of them speed up time a little bit. I know I'm not a I don't design games. I'm not a coder, so I don't know how hard that actually is. You just use the the function parenthesis fast forward. Yeah, that's all. You just be hit the plus FF3, yeah. FFX3. There you go. It's simple. I'm a game designer. I'm glad that we played this game. I'm glad that I found it and then it was like, hey, play this game. And then hopefully some of y'all played it. Um, I'd love to hear from literally any of you who play this game what your thoughts are on it because we don't have a ton of uh, feedback outside of our own, yeah. each other. We're just screaming so into an echo chamber. I'd love, I'd love to know how many people took the recommendation here and did actually try it out and what they thought about it. Uh, you can tell us that on Patreon, which helps us make this whole thing possible, patreon.com slash cybergarbage. Or if you have the time, I would highly encourage you to rate and leave an iTunes review because it seriously really does help us. I know every podcast says this because it's true. It's great for discoverability. But if you could, we'd appreciate it. Tell us, tell us your thoughts. I want to, like, what games have we turned you on to that you might, have never, uh, might not have otherwise played? That's kind of our goal here, and, and I'm definitely more interested in checking out an RT, like a real art, like not a real. That sounds disparaging, but like a big boy. I'll believe it when I see it. A big boy RTS. I just don't know which to choose. The answer's always StarCraft. Um, thank you, everybody. I think Be that does it. Before we go, we do have to talk about our next game because um, we're not ready to play Outer Worlds yet. To talk Outer Worlds, I'm playing it. How many hours have you played? I played about nine. I think I'm like halfway through the game. I've played zero. I probably have about 20 hours of playing ahead of me before we do probably. the, yeah, so. Oh, dude, but I feel like we gotta do a, well, I haven't discussed this with you, but I feel like we should do Death Stranding too. That's a commitment though. I don't know if I can really play that game. I think, before it'll be we, so good for the views. Nick, before we say we can do that game, <laughs> I have to add, you're, even if it's dog shit and you don't like it, you're going to play all of it. Yeah. If it's dog shit, to me, I don't know if I can force myself to play all of it. <laughs> so I think that I have to sample it before we commit to doing a garbage game club on it. That's fair. Because that could be a fuck ton of time. Uh, that, yeah, it's a, it's a big commitment, I hear, at least. I, I haven't played it yet. But. I, my backup plan is um, if I don't like playing the game, 
I'm probably still gonna watch like the all the cutscenes on YouTube. Oh, so we could do like a story garbage game club, maybe. Yeah, we, we maybe. I, I think it's worth talking about to some extent, but we'll see. I mean, I haven't even picked it up, so I don't even know if that's the case. We'll figure it out. You also have to go on vacation. I have to finish playing Out of Worlds. So the next game we're gonna play is also a little shorter while we're talking about uh, finishing Out of Worlds for the show. Probably after this next one. Yeah, it's like an hour long, this next game. It's like an hour long. Um, so are people going to be salty that we have like two short shows? Probably not. This is great. No, I like it. Fight I feel like it's very good. Then that's the next game, Nick. The next game is the Apple Arcade mobile exclusive, but it's also available on Nintendo Switch and PC. Sayonara Wild Hearts. It is, that's an Annapurna game, right? It is an Annapurna game. Isn't it? I generally like their stuff. I'm pretty sure it's Annapurna. It yeah, it's an Annapurna game. Um, it is a rhythm rhythm game. It's a rhythm game. And uh, I'm very excited to talk about it. With a, It has a banging soundtrack. So that is the next game on the Garbage Game Club. We will see you all in two weeks. Yow! Goodbye. I'm going to go turn off. Man, if I hit the mic, they might be mad at me. I might hit the mic with my chin. That was good. 25. <laughs>